Bonjour and bonsoir, dear friends. Welcome to the happy hour on JCD Live. I'm delighted today to introduce you one of the most amazing men in the world of education. His name is Gary May. He's the famous chancellor of one of our dearest universities in California named UC Davis. This charming man has received all the awards in the world of education. Not only he's a very accomplished scholar himself, as well as his wife, but has received awards from the president of the United States himself, Mr. Barack Obama, from the National Academy of Scientists, and has received a lifetime award as career service and is very oriented towards education and obviously towards the future of the United States and the future brain of this amazing nation. So I want to bring Gary on to the JCB Live with JCB Bubbles. Woo! Bonjour, Gary. Bonjour, Jean-Charles. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. And as you can see, you, you created a lot of effervescence here in Napa <laughs> Valley, a lot of excitement. So, Gary, welcome to California. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, so, Gary, explain us a little bit of your background because it's insane. 30 years in Georgia and now, obviously, one of the most renowned universities for many topics, including wine. So this is why I have to have a toast for you. Well, thank you. Uh, I uh, originally am from St. Louis, Missouri, and grew up there and went to college at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. I uh, got my bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. And then I went to graduate school at UC Berkeley uh, here in California for my master's and PhD in electrical engineering and computer science. Then went back to Georgia Tech and I was on the faculty there for 26 years at various levels, uh, ultimately Dean of the College of Engineering there, at which point I was contacted by uh, UC Davis in 2017 to come here to be the Chancellor of the University. So I've been Chancellor at UC Davis now for three years. This is my fourth year and uh, enjoying it, enjoying California, enjoying the wine. <laughs> well, well done. So tell everyone, what is a Chancellor doing in a university? Because it's a very big role. Yeah, the chancellor, I describe it as the following. It's a mixture of mayor, principal, and CEO. All those things are parts of my role. I, uh, I, I mean, people are familiar with uh, high schools and, and, and uh, principals, so I do the academic part of that where I manage the curriculum and uh, hire the, the, the faculty and get the facilities together. But I'm also kind of like the mayor of a small town. We have, uh, we have, 40,000 students, and we have about 25,000 faculty and staff. Uh, so we have our own infrastructure and our own little city here. And then- Well- the, No, I'm sorry. I just, and I'm the CEO, I go out and raise money. That's my main job is to go fundraise for the university. <laughs> and I know you're doing very well at that. So we'll come back to this, but, um, so we live in very unusual time in the world of education, naturally. 40,000 students, are they back? into the university, and how did you handle the last seven months? And that's, last seven months have really been unprecedented, as you, as you said, but right now, uh, most of our curriculum is taught remotely, uh, more than 95%. However, the students are still physically here. About uh, They wanted to come back to campus, so we have uh, approximately 23 to 25,000 students 
either living on campus or in the city of Davis in the area. So their students are around, they're just taking their classes remotely. I see, but when you say they're around so they can do activities on the campus and, and, they, and they follow them as well online, is it the big right. evolution? Of course, we practice social distancing and all the necessary things, but they are, you know, 5,000 or so of them are living in the dorms in the, on campus housing and the rest are living in apartments around the city and they uh, are in addition to the uh, academics, they're having social activities and sports and things like that as well. That's amazing. So how do you succeed? You're the CEO, obviously, which as if you run a company, which is an enormous company as you run, how do you convert the education into online? Because, you know, I'm very familiar personally with UC Davis. The classes are phenomenal. They're very hands-on. You know, there's a very close tie with the teachers and the students. I mean, it's one of the best university ever. How do you transition to that? And how did you do it? Well, it was, it was a challenge because it happened very abruptly back in March when the virus first showed itself. Uh, we actually created the first patient treated, uh, that had community spread from the, uh, of the virus. At any rate, uh, our faculty had to very quickly transition all of their teaching materials uh, to the online format. Uh, it wasn't easy, uh, but they did it. And I'm really proud of the way they did it. And our students also had to adjust to receiving the materials that well, that way. And they, they also performed very well. And, and now it's become more, uh, uh, not, not quite routine, but they're more accustomed to it now. Uh, but everyone wants to get back to normal as soon as we can. And, and how do you make sure as the CEO and the chancellor, of course, to make sure that the teachers are prepared to actually apply their educational techniques to online and that it's efficient because as we know, we're doing obviously social distancing today, although we're only a hundred miles away, we're not together. So it's a different way of doing it. It is, but we have some uh, support mechanisms available for our faculty. Uh, we have a center for educational effectiveness that helps them to, to as even a website, we call it keep teaching, which allows them to learn how to, uh, transition their materials from an in-person format to an online format and do that effectively. And, and, and I think it's gone reasonably well. They've done an excellent job. So how do you create your YouTube channel? Because I've uh, very merited of what you've done so quickly. So it's YouTube slash UC Davis, right? Yeah, we have a whole team. We have a communications and marketing team, which takes care of all of our uh, uh, social media, including YouTube. So. Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and YouTube and all, they do all our promotional materials and, and uh, get uh, the word out to the world about UC Davis. So Gary, you use the word back to normal. <laughs> do you actually think we're gonna come back to normal? Uh, I'll say quasi normal. I don't think it'll be the way it was before uh, the pandemic for quite some time, but eventually. But I think once that there's a, um, a, a vaccine and there's uh, general uh, available therapeutics uh, I think we can get um, start to become closer to the way things were uh, when we have point of care tests that allow people to test themselves before they go into venues and things like that. That'll get us to the point where we can uh, uh, go to malls and restaurants and, and perhaps movies and things uh, that we were able to do before. But, but in the world of education, don't you think, I see that with my daughters, twin ladies of nine years old. I see that with my own education because I spent a lot more time on Zoom and learning in a remote way. 
which really is very comfortable. And somehow, I personally am more disciplined and more focused. So do you think it's going to become a part of the evolution of the curriculum? I think that people will uh, begin to teach in a hybrid manner using both the old and the new, using the in-person approaches of lecturing, but mixing in, in a complementary way, the online methods uh, in a way that I think uh, accentuates both. And um, and what what has been for you the example that you're the most proud of in terms of the whole university as far as uh, this remote learning? Well, I'd have to say um, it's hard to pin, pin it down to one thing, but we've really kept things moving uh, seamlessly. Uh, I know it's been a lot of hard work by a lot of people, but the students are still learning and progressing toward their degrees. We still have uh, uh, all the extracurricular things uh, that we can't do them in person, but we do as best we can. Uh, we're still uh, functioning well as a university in terms of our external reach and our, our research enterprise, our research. We set a record in research funding this year. Yes. So very proud of that. So explain to the world how you've become such an authority as far as wine, because it's one thing to be in the wine country, <laughs> but it's another to become the authority of the University for Wine. Well, you're very generous. There are many people at UC Davis that know a lot more about wine than the chancellor, but I've been mm. trying to catch up since I've gotten here. And it's a pleasure to I learn. I hear you're a fast learner, so. <laughs> well, I do my best. My wife is much faster than me. She loves wine. And we love Napa Valley and we love the wine, wine experience. But uh, you have to learn about uh, what the university is known for. So it's part of my job to be able to talk with uh, potential uh, sponsors, potential students, potential faculty about wine and other things the university is known for. And we think we're the number one uh, school of enology and viticulture in the world. I know the French may disagree, but uh, <laughs> we think uh, we're pretty good and we have to keep that reputation. Well, the French and the American love to agree to disagree. <laughs> but I think it's a great field. And, and how do you actually, as you bring it up, bring both sides of the Atlantic to collaborate uh, because, you know, obviously I'm very involved on both sides with a lot of professors and teachers and I'm fascinated obviously for our teams as well, what we have to learn. And I see you doing a lot of cross-cultural exchange. How are you leading that as well these days? We have many joint programs with our, our friends overseas. In fact, uh, uh, last summer when I could still travel, we had a very uh, uh, enriching trip to France, to the Bordeaux region and other parts of France. Yeah. Uh, engage in some collaboration with the, the universities and, and other winemakers there. And I think that's a very rich collaboration for us. So what do you think, um, you know, my grandparents were school teachers, so I'm going to go right in, you know, and phenomenal ones. And they were always admirative about the American education on the practical side, mm -hmm. you know, case study and really doing concrete things and as well learning by doing and by playing, making it fun. Yes. You know, the challenge of, of Europe sometimes, we're a little formal and a little serious. Yes. What, what do you have to say about that? And is it still what you, what you preach? Indeed, I think uh, our approach is not so much in the rote learning and memorization of facts, but also the application of those facts in innovative ways. So we like our students to be creative, to think about things that haven't been done before, to create jobs for themselves that may not exist. Uh, at, at the current time. And we think innovation is the, the one of the defining features of the American system that allows us to be so, so good.
Yeah. Well, I want to raise my glass as well for you succeeding to bring amazing people. I have a very close friend, Maria Manetti Schrem, and Jan Schrem that you said use to actually put an art center at UC Davis. So would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, just a few years ago, we uh, started the Manetti Schrem Museum of Art, uh, sponsored by Maria and Jan. Uh, wonderful museum. Uh, it's uh, one of the dif differentiating, uh, defining features of our campus. Um, it uh, is, uh, the admission is free, so students and faculty and uh, community members can go to the museum uh, for free. We have many beautiful exhibits all year round. Uh, we have an annual uh, fundraiser that we do in January for the museum. And, and, and Maria and Jan have just been wonderful friends and benefactors to the university. Um, and uh, coincidentally, we, we, we've met them through uh, Marguerite Mandavi, uh, who, and Maria and Marguerite were, were great friends before Marguerite passed away. And um, uh, the Shrems are just tremendous uh, friends to, to the university and to my, my wife and myself personally. Great. And we've been delighted, my wife Gina and I, to come many times at the university to, to see this fabulous accomplishment and this enlightenment of all those great artists of what you've created to really bring the minds of all those young students to think outside of the traditional way. But someone, and I'm going to serve as infidel. Uh, Chancellor, you're not tasting wine. Is it too early in the day? I, I have some. Which one should I taste? Well, you taste whatever you want, but I think we should have a toast together for Zinfandel, okay. which is the, the, the famous American wine. And I'd love for you to tell me a few words, because I know you're very eloquent, about what the wine makes you think or feel. Cheers. Cheers. Very good. It's fruity. Um, Zinfandel is one of my favorites. I, I uh, enjoy a glass before I go to bed, actually. Uh, relaxes me. Oh, I like that. Uh, and um, uh, I think it's, um, as you said, it's uniquely American. Uh, it's um, uh, it's uh, uh, accessible. Uh, people, many people drink Zinfandel and it's various uh, uh, blends. And uh, it's one of my favorites. Great spice, isn't it? It is. It's a spicy. I mean, we, you know, I got to tell you, as European, we love it. And, and this winery, Raymond, that's a small lot collection, so we make very little amount of, of wine. But that 2018, I, I hope you enjoy it as well tonight with your wife. Does she share the same love in bed or before going to bed? Do you both have the same wine or each your separate blends? Uh, we usually have the same. We'll open a bottle and we'll both have some. And uh, we argue about who drinks the most because we want more. And <laughs> hey, I have an answer to that. Open each a bottle of wine so there's no argument. <laughs> Have our own bottle. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, a good Chancellor, you have a charming smile, but behind that smile, there's an enormous brain. And you've been honestly awarded the highest award of excellence on STEM. I mean, the topic is phenomenal on STEM by the president of the United States himself. Would you please tell everyone about this? Because this is so inspirational. Sure. So um, one of my passions has been uh, bringing uh, students from underrepresented backgrounds into science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM. So yeah. I 
I've had a number of programs over the years that have had some success increasing the numbers of such students in these fields. And that was recognized in 2015 with an award from President Obama, uh, the Presidential Award for Excellence uh, in Science, Mathematics, and Engineering Mentoring, Bayesman Award. And we got to go visit uh, with him in the White House in the Oval Office and have a photo and a little bit of conversation. And it was one of the highlights of my career. Oh, for sure. So tell us about what, you know, without obviously divulging secrets, but maybe something that the world of wine lovers and the Napa lifestyle would enjoy about the evolution of STEM research and, and where we're heading, because you saw in advance mm -hmm. that it's a fascinating field. <laughs> There's many areas that uh, we're working on. Uh, one that's very timely is the study of the smoke tank due to the fires, right? And what effect that's going to have on, on yeah. science, uh, 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 mines coming uh, uh, very near future. Also uh, automation uh, in the farming and uh, with the difficulty in uh, uh, attracting the workforce, automation will be more and more important. Um, organic and uh, wines without additives uh, is another area that uh, of interest to us. So basically everything you can think of uh, is, is uh, on the agenda at UC Davis. Well, this is very, very interesting, specifically applied to our field. Now, what to you in all the field of STEM research is one of the most break, breaking area of the, the 21st, 22nd century to come? Well, many people have different opinions of that. I would say uh, certainly artificial intelligence is one that's uh, of not popular attention. But uh, beyond just the AI, I think the whole merging of man and machine in many ways, beyond yeah. software, also prosthetics and enhancing human performance in various ways and, and making human life more uh, enjoyable and, 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 and livable. Uh, uh, using technology is a very interesting area for me. Uh, and we'd like to do that in a way that's sustainable and the environment uh, is very important. Uh, climate change needs to be studied and mitigated and, and yes. uh, addressed. So we have a lot of active research there and we do uh, human health and animal health at UC Davis. Uh, we have the best veterinary medicine school in the world as well. So mm. Many, many interesting areas. Well, congratulations. I mean, you're on the forefront. And thank you for sharing that because it's very true. Sharing the evolution of the path we're on is, it, it's going so fast, isn't it? Speed, How do you keep up? Yeah, the speed of technology advancement is, is really, it makes your head spin because as soon as you've learned or mastered one area, another one is coming right behind it. So you really have, which makes education even more important. You know, it's really about lifelong learning. You have to stay current uh, in order to be uh, successful, in order to be, uh, marketable. Recently, you were introduced in the National Academy of Engineers. I, I mean, this is another toast to you. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is quite the achievement. Tell us about this one because, you know, the future is in your hands and I'm sure you, you have a clear idea of what's coming. Well, it's, it's, again, one of the greatest honors of my career. The National Academy of Engineering is considered to be the highest a most prestigious honor that is bestowed upon uh, one in the engineering profession. And uh, uh, I was inducted in 2018 uh, and the class had about, um, I believe about 80 others uh, in addition to myself. Uh, Jeff Bezos, for example, was inducted the same year as me. So I'll give you some idea of the stature of the organization. 
but uh, I, I'm just uh, honored and humbled to, to be a part of the organization and just shows that there's someone who's been paying attention to the success I've had in my career. Now I have to turn around and try to pay it back. Hmm. Well, you, you're doing a, a great share. Talking about paying backs, um, the world we've lived over the last six, seven months have been insane in terms of the issues of diversity, equality, hope, peace, love, and and really unity at large. How do you deal with this within UC Davis and how do you infiltrate some of the values of all that to the, to the children or to the students? Yeah, well, certainly social justice issues have become, uh, have come to the forefront in recent months uh, with various tragic incidents yeah. uh, around the country and indeed around the world. Uh, we have an active uh, office of diversity, equity, and inclusion at UC Davis to address these issues. Yeah. It's a strong pillar of our strategic plan for the university over the next 10 years to be uh, a model for uh, diversity, a diverse, inclusive environment uh, that celebrates the success and, and enables the success of people from all backgrounds, students from all backgrounds. So it's something we're really proud of. Uh, we recently became a Hispanic-serving institution, which means that 25% of our domestic undergraduate population is, is Latinx or Chicanx. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. So we're, we're, I think we're making progress on a number of fronts. Uh, we have to do the same level of, uh, of progress with our faculty and our leadership as we are with our students. So those mm -hmm. are challenges that remain. And, and how could, you know, education be a greater foundation to recognize this inclusive, united, you know, world that we live in? And, and what do you recommend uh, we could do as companies, wineries, businesses to greater collaborate, to instill that in the youth of the future? Well, education is what enables our progress, right? Enables the yeah. society to move forward, uh, discovering new knowledge and using that knowledge and, and then uh, learning to use it together. I think uh, the more educated people are, the less likely they are to have some of these uh, issues of, of uh, uh, the various isms, right? I think uh, people, um, uh, education is the great uh, balancer, the great, uh, uh, um, uh, equalizer for, for our society. And so the more that we can develop an e educated society, uh, the better off we will be, I think, from a fundamental standpoint. That's right. What advice would you give to all of us to, to further uh, the message, as an example, on diversity, unity, inclusion specifically? You know, I, I say that humbly because we promote our wines in over 95 countries. There's not one continent, except maybe the Middle East because of religious purposes that doesn't drink as much. But wine brings people together. So what would be your recommendation to really further uh, the, the, the philosophy that one world is a great place as, as an equal world? Well, I think uh, one would be travel. Right. Travel is the best one of the best means of education. Yeah. And one of the best means of, of reducing our biases towards others. Right. So um, I think uh, many people have said variations of this. Mark Twain, uh, Maya Angelou, others have said uh, travel uh, makes us um, unifies us. Now, when we can travel again after the pandemic. Right. But but uh, for <laughs> now, I think, uh, you know, take some risks. 
uh, go outside of your comfort zone, try to meet some people and understand and have some empathy for what other people are going through. I think uh, having empathy really also makes a big difference in our approach to, to others and, and, and our relationships with others. So, uh, and have some humility. Uh, don't uh, feel like uh, everything has, uh, your way is the best way. Uh, try to learn from others and appreciate what they can teach you. Yeah. And I think that's that's a great advice. And and I got to tell you, we've been very excited as a winery to really encourage all kinds of groups. It could be from Asia, it could be from Africa, to really move into the wine world in a greater way. We recently created a wine named JCB Unity that is so exciting. It got sold out in a matter of weeks, uh, Gary, because... We donate back to the, as an example, the African-American Association of Vintners. That's great. Which is booming. We helping as well many other nationalities, whether it's India, whether it's China, whether it's Asia, to really dive into the world of wine. And, and I'm very pleased to see more results. And I really say that humbly. Thanks to wine, we can help because food is diversity. Food is culture. Yes. If you try a great Indian food or a great African dish, or a great Chinese dish, the compassion of the understanding of the culture is right there and you bring wine to it, it really helps, right? Well, it's the universal language of sorts, right? Food and wine, everyone eats and everyone drinks. I think everyone can appreciate both food and wine. Very well said. Now, talking about universal language, I want to touch on a topic which is essential. And I know you're a very active university on that front. The last one we selected is one and a half acre. And Gary, this is a very important wine for us because in Napa Valley, you know, we believe in sustainability, we believe in organic, and we believe in biodynamic. So this wine is the pure representation of a fully organic and mm -hmm. biodynamic certified wine. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, it has a leather label, even that represents, you know, the cow as the symbol of biodynamic farming. You know, when you do the biodynamic prep, with all the plants, you do like a tea preparation and you don't spray pesticides or herbicides, but you spray that preparation on the vineyards and it never sees any synthetic products. Wow. So this is our gift to the world to showcase the lunar calendar and everything that it has to offer. So cheers to you. Cheers, let's try some of that. And I, yeah, and I'd love your, your opinion on the wine and as well, your opinion on climate change and what we can all do from your world to the practical world of business to be greater citizen. Well, first, the wine is delicious. Thank you so much. <laughs> mm. I want to make sure tonight, yeah, you got to promise me something on the side bed table, because I'm sure you read for hours, <laughs> even in bed, all your research papers, and, and you're probably right in bed. Your wife has one, you have the other, and you tell me who wins. Okay. Well, luckily, you were kind enough to send me two bottles, so we will each have our own. <laughs> so, well, and we can, we're going to send you more, trust okay. me. <laughs> um, well, climate change, you know, is it's an existence, existential threat to humanity. I mean, I think people uh, are only now, some people are only now just realizing uh, the gravity of a situation with a, hur a hurricane every week, fires, uh, you know, uh, all the things that are happening and, and even the people that were in denial about climate change uh, can no longer deny that it's happening. Some may still deny that it's man-made, but they cannot deny that it's happening because they see it with their very eyes. 
And we got to do something to to uh, address it. Otherwise, uh, humanity and other life on Earth is in trouble. So um, whether or not you think it's man-made, I think it's clear that man has a responsibility to mitigate it and address it, right? And yeah. so we have to think about ways of living that are different from our ways that we are accustomed to that can help us to, to uh, mitigate the effects of climate change and, and over time uh, reverse them. I think um, the, the thing that people don't realize is that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of money to be made and jobs to be created in addressing climate change. And we somehow it's been twisted and framed in such a way that we'd have to give up something and industries will be hurt, like the fossil fuel industry will be hurt. Yeah, that's true. But we will move on to something else. And there are many different things to learn and many different uh, jobs to be created and uh, much wealth to be created in addressing climate change. Extremely well said, of course. Uh, but Gary, concretely, you know, we have thousands and thousands of friends with us tonight. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend to every individual to make a difference tomorrow? Well, there's many things that you can do as an individual. I mean, from yeah. the type of car you, you drive uh, to the type of food that you eat. I mean, um, if, if, if we all make a commitment to uh, investigating um, lifestyles that are uh, less um, uh, problematic for, for the climate, I think, and we accept the fact that we're all in this together because there's only one Earth, then uh, we can each do our small part uh, to address the problem. Now, Gary, what is, you know, your dream? My dream? <laughs> You've accomplished so much. You've received every single award all the way up to the president of the United States. You're part of the, one of the most amazing think tank there is. What's your dream? What? Jean-Charles, I think the older you get, the less you are concerned about individual awards. And so those are less important to me now. And I'm more interested in the success of my colleagues and my students yeah. and, uh, you know, learning to make the world better. I tell, I tell students, I have three goals every day. Uh, learn something, help someone, and make the world a little bit better, a little bit at a time. So, uh, you know, it sounds trite, but those are my goals, just to try to do what I can to make uh, the world that we live in a little bit better. Well, that's, uh, that's very commanding. So now you have an amazing wife. Lichelle is incredible. She is a special engineer for CNN. She is. Right? And she's an extraordinary lady. How does it feel to be married to such a powerful and successful lady? Uh, I feel very fortunate. I, I often say that my wife has only made one questionable decision in her life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's an exceptional woman. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. Uh, she's successful. She's a wonderful mother. Uh, she loves wine. She's a good cook and all those things. Uh, I can't say enough about her. And I, I just feel very blessed to be in her life. So you don't have to share, but what's the most exciting discussion besides love and passion you have on the pillow in the evening as you both extraordinary engineers and very accomplished, you know, obviously thinkers. Well, you know, it's fine. We, we do talk about uh, current events and we talk about our jobs a little bit, but really we just like to laugh. We just enjoy each other. So we like to tell each other a funny story, something that happened that day or something that someone else told us that happened that day, or we'll watch a television show or something that's, that's funny or, or 
because I think uh, in order for your marriage to be successful, you have to be friends. And uh, uh, one of the in, one of the ways you demonstrate friendship is to being able to to laugh together, and that's one of our favorite things to do. Well, that's a great advice for all of us, having been married for many decades, isn't it? <laughs> yes. So now. You know, and, and we really so much thank you for, for being with us for so much time. Now, Gary, if you have a message, and I know you used to deliver amazing message to your students, to the faculty, to your sponsors and everything else, but you have thousands and thousands of people with us tonight from all over the world. I mean, luckily we have the globe here. So what message would you like to send in, you know, obviously, October 31st, this is Halloween. And what message would you like to send to, to all the people with us? Well, I think uh, we're living in challenging times, certainly the, the virus and the pandemic all over the world. I think people should, you know, hang in there, yeah. uh, care for each other, love each other, love their fellow man and woman. Um, I think we'll get through this and we'll, you know, things will be quasi normal, as I said, before we know it, before long. And I just hope that everyone uh, 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 treats others as they would like to be treated. And that's really kind of the way I, I live my life. And I, if everyone did that, we'd be much better off. Well, great advice, Gary. I'm going to wish you a happy Halloween. I hope uh, none of you after those two bottles of wine tonight turn into a vampire. <laughs> and if you know, and if you do, tell me which one. <laughs> and... Um, I really want to thank you for accepting to being with us tonight on JCB Live. It was very, very educational and very inspiring. And congratulations, really, for all your incredible personal achievement as well as community and educational achievement. This is phenomenal to have someone in California like you to lead the future of what the education of wine. I'm being selfish because I think wine all the time. I know we are in good hands. Well, thank you so much for having me, John Charles. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I hope we get to meet in person someday soon. I look forward, and I hope you and your wife at Raymond Vineyards here in Napa Valley, we have a blending room, and your wife and yourself can compete making wine, and we can elect who makes the best wine. Oh, wow. Now you're trying to break up my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> well, send us a note tomorrow on November 1 and tell us exactly which wine came first in the family dining room tonight? Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you.